0: Hello and welcome to the Listen to This Bull live show. This is the show where I, Matthew Mullen, your fearless host, answer whatever questions you have about just about anything. But mostly claim-related stuff. We talk about bullshit related to insurance claims for the most part. But you could ask me anything. Literally anything. I I like to keep my my toenails roughly one-sixteenth of an inch longer when you see the whites start to show, you know what I'm talking about? That little white line, about a sixteenth of an inch. In case you were wondering, if that was one of the questions you were going to ask me, that would have been my answer. Uh, we are live on YouTube and on the Listen to This Bowl page on Facebook. And you can also find us on Listen to This com, And you can ask questions on all three of those. So, now that that's out of the way, today I have... Someone that has risen to stardom abruptly, promptly. That's a word that's got some connotation to it in the industry right now. This is abrupt, sudden and accidentally. She has risen to stardom. Her name is Jen Silver, and she is teaching contractors, specifically mostly roofers, uh, to go back to a retail model even for insurance claims. And I want to talk to you guys about it because it does affect how claims are run from a public adjuster and a policyholder standpoint. And we're going to dig into that. So without further ado, Jen Silver. Hi, well, Jen.
1: Good evening. Thanks for having Thank me. You. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Uh, well, you're welcome. Uh I was not paying attention when you said that. I think that you said thank you about something. And I completely missed it because John Felding told me to show my toenails. And I had to wonder (laughs) if I even really could. So I don't think that I actually can uh, do that because it would take forever.
1: I got it. And um, you can send John a picture. He might like that.
0: I think he would like that.
1: Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Uh,
0: John is a... Interesting guy. He's got a neck tattoo right across his neck. I don't know why I'm showing you where your neck is. I think I didn't have to do this part. When I said neck tattoo, that probably gave you all the information you needed to know where it was.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be on the back of his neck. I mean, there are a few places. Okay.
0: Okay. Point taken. I feel better about it now. So I call him tat. That's his. uh... Anyway, so now he really, really wants me to say the toenail stuff. It's a little bit odd. So, Jen, can you tell my audience a little bit about what it is that you are teaching contractors?
1: I can. So um, I had worked for a larger restoration company in the Salt Lake area. And we did insurance work the way that the majority of the country is doing it, using Xactimate, negotiating um, AOCs. You know, getting a public adjuster involved when um, a claim was, you know, partially covered or we knew that there was legitimate damage and it was denied. But what I found is I was trying to enforce a contract and collect from someone that was not contractually bound to pay me. And when you do work for insurance proceeds, it's really hard to collect from homeowners as well because if they don't have the money, there's nothing for them to give you. Um, when I started my own roofing company in the fall of 2019 or late of December of 2019, sorry, um, I knew that I couldn't sustain the accounts receivables in order to complete insurance related work. But I had been an advisory board member for the APA and I had done a lot of advocating for consumer rights. And I had a lot of business that still came in that was insurance related. And I wanted to be able to take care of those policyholders. So trying to come up with a way to one, satisfy my business needs and ensure that my profitability was there so that I could sustain my business. And two, still be able to take care of policyholders and support um, them as a contractor through the claims process. Ultimately, I I really don't like the drama of being in the middle of a claim. I don't like the back and forth. I don't like, um, you know, wondering if somebody got my phone call or didn't get my phone call. I hated being (laughs) pitted as the bad guy um, between, you know, between my my customer and the insurance company. And it was, it, it just to me was too messy. So I decided, um, you know, based on a lot of the things that I had learned is why, why can't I just bid every job the same? Why, why do I have to change my business model from retail to Xactimate in order to be considered for insurance related work? And I just decided I wasn't going to that um, I wasn't going to invest the money in, a, in the software. I wasn't going to hire a full-time estimator. I wasn't going to pay a supplementing company. Um, it wasn't needed. My job as a contractor is, is it broke? What's it going to take to fix it? And how much does it cost? And that's really it. Now, go ahead. What were you going to say?
0: So, so you are basically taking claims... And saying I'm going to actually stay inside my box and just be a roofer and doing what the insurance company is actually asking people to do, and and then, am I right? I mean, this is this is basically you're you're, you're rolling back time to to the way things used to be uh, before we got into this huge mess that we're in right now.
1: No, I. Agree. And I didn't necessarily know that that's the way things used to be. I wasn't in the industry at that time, but yes, I am all I look for when a homeowner gets their approval on their roof is how many squares are listed, right? Right. If it is, if it is a complete roof, I don't care what line items are listed on that because I have to install a roof to code to manufacturer specifications to you know whatever irc reg- or guidelines are there i'm not going devi- to i'm not going to deviate from that so why do i care what's listed on the estimate right i look right. and see it's covered i explain to the homeowner that this is my price this is what we're going to complete on the roof these are all of the different components these are why that they're you know why they're necessary here is the code that shows that we have to have ice and water shield, 24 inches past the warm wall, whatever it is. And, um, and then I offer them financing. And I think that the financing works for a few different reasons. Okay. I think unfortunately there's a stigma for roofers that they can run away with the money when they give it, when they get, especially storm restoration contractors. So when you finance your homeowner, you take the ability for the contractor to disappear away because they have the security of the bank. Um, you're giving them, you know, my personal favorite loan that I use is a 12 month same as cash that rolls into a five year fixed at, you know, a 6.99%. So you're giving them 12 months to have money where in the bank, whether they use it for credit card debt, or they use it just for some freedom or security. And then I get paid. I'm not chasing mortgage checks. I'm not, you know, the, the wonderful mortgage checks that have two different mortgage companies on it, or the old mortgage company, or this one needs to be endorsed. And then you send it back endorsed, and they can't endorse it because it's a live check now. I mean, I've played the game. And the amount of time and energy that I spent... In that process, my customer service suffered, my communication with our, our consumers suffered. And it, when our intentions were always just good, right? We were there to help our homeowners. That's why as contractors, I think initially we wanted to do this. But what we've done is we've enabled policyholders to not have to know anything about their policy. They don't have to know what kind of policy they have because the contractor is going to take care of it. Well, what does that do for the future of America? It just perpetuates the cycle of consumers not having the correct information to make educated decisions when it comes to things around insurance. And the only way that things will ever change, whether it's, you know, actually seeing fair claims practices or accountability or, you know, reducing litigation is if we have educated consumers. It's not going to change for the contractors.
0: I'm with you on that. Um, I do want to dig in a little bit uh, in, in just a minute about how that really affects uh, a claim. But let me just ask you this. Are, are you involved in the claim at all? Then is the contractor basically just working as if They're retail, waiting for someone to call them and say, hey, I have an insurance claim, I've been approved, give me a bid, or are you a little bit more active involved in a claim still?
1: So um, most of the business that comes in for us is uh, either organic or Google guaranteed. And if we go out and do an inspection and we notice that there's damage, whether it's hail or wind, we will inform a homeowner. You know, you do need a new roof it does appear that you have wind damage. Um, It's up to you. I've seen other homeowners in your situation uh, file claims with their insurance carrier. Some homeowners don't. You know, it's completely your choice. I'm going to go back and do my estimate. um, And we come back. And if they choose to file a claim, then I have a form that's called a Contractor Assistance Agreement. Because the only part in the insurance process that is different from a straight retail job is an adjuster meeting. My guys wear ropes and harnesses regardless. If a porta potty's on the job, it's going to be on the job whether it's a retail job or whether it's an insurance job, just because of that specific job. But in the model, the only thing that's different is the actual adjuster meeting appointment. And so I have still
0: meeting with the adjuster.
1: I am as a contractor. Right? I don't talk about, I don't ask them about their policy. I don't ask them what they're going to cover. I don't ask, I don't tell them what to include. When we go to the adjuster meetings, we have our estimate that we hand to our homeowner. um, And the homeowner, it's up to them if they want to share that with the adjuster. We go up and solely talk about what's going on on the roof, why we believe that this is wind damage, or what we think caused the damage, what storms we're aware of, and that's it. I do not talk anything else with them.
0: Okay. So you're still performing a causation analysis for yourself and you're presenting that. You're presenting the damages on behalf of the policyholder.
1: Yes, because I'm a I, I should know that. That is what I should know as a roofing contractor, what broke the roof. Right? Like that is part of what I deem sure. in my real house. What and what's it going to take to fix it is it a repair is it a replacement yes that's all reasonable outside of that i shouldn't even know anything about policies or what that process is in my opinion that's what this you are for
0: very different right so this is this is the way things used to be so 20 years ago steve patrick just got on um, and I'm going to come back, uh, Frederick, to that question. And, and Steve will attest, you know, back in the day, this was something that was fairly normal. There was mostly retail roofers out in the field. And they might not have gone through a causation analysis like you're doing right now. Um, but you get three bids. That was That's what the carriers asked you for. You'd go out and you'd get three bids. And based on those bids, they would determine what the amount of loss was. You would pick one. You might argue over which one you're going to pick. You know, a carrier might try to push you towards the the cheaper option, uh, but ultimately, you would pick your contractor. That would be the amount that's incurred, and you would pay that minus your deductible. And the insurance company would have either reimbursed you with an RCV depreciation payment, or most of the time, they were paying it all up front. This was before the uh, the bifurcated payment system was was enacted. So. This is something that happened all the time, and it was easier back then. But so were policies. So it might not have been this that made it easier. Right. But I can tell you, it, there is so many bills being presented and, and different legislation that is being passed that specifically targets roofing companies. Why is that, you know, let me ask you, what do you think that is? Why is that?
1: Um, Because I do believe that we have injected ourselves into something we shouldn't be a part of. And whether there is collusion going on with public adjusters or not, or whether there is, um, you know, there are roofers, obviously, that rip- are ripping off homeowners. I mean, I think that we can all uh, see that fairly regularly, sure. um but whether it, we're subjecting ourselves to those accusations just because we're involved, getting out you know getting out of the insurance side and focusing on what we should be focusing on, there's no UPA violations because we're not talking about anything related to um insurance stuff, right? You're not waiving deductibles because you're giving them a retail bid, you don't care. What they're getting back from their insurance company, um, and so a lot of the things that you see right now that are out there um, in you know in the media as far as laws being passed and things that are going on are because those things are happening. Whether they're inflated claims because the the contractor hired the PA and talked them into adding additional things or whatever, um, or because. Uh, deductibles are being waived, or weird credits for yard signs, or whatever is going on. When you're in it, when you're not involved in the process at all, you you eliminate the ability for people to assume you could be doing something.
0: Do you, do you think uh, Steve and Frederick here are right? Is is it because, or is the legislation that's appearing? Is it because? They want to shut the contractor up from educating the policyholder, or do you think that that legislation so, exists? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mm. I love Steve Patrick, and I think that more contractors inaccurately educate policyholders than accurately educate policyholders. I think if um, every contractor was still was a licensed public adjuster as well and could. Legally or legally have done all of the requirements to educate on policy, maybe, um, but I don't think it matters what a contractor says to a policyholder until they are experiencing it for themselves and having to go through the process. I don't know that they're really learning a lot.
0: So my my opinion on this. There's I'm I'm sure that there are some fantastic contractors. I've met many of them. A lot of them um, have been talking to me for years. I, I am in contact with a ton of excellent roofers. I am also in contact with a ton of brand new roofers. All of them, I think, would agree when they hire a new salesperson. That new salesperson doesn't really know what they're doing. They're not actually an insurance expert on day one, even though their truck might say so. And they're giving bad information. They're telling someone that they have damage when maybe they don't, that they have full coverage when maybe they don't. Yeah, There's a lot of frivolous claims, a lot of frivolous claims. And I think if the frivolous claims went away or at least reduced dramatically, there probably wouldn't be so much effort into putting legislation together, specifically targeting roofers. But the roofers are definitely the ones that are knocking on doors the most and looking for storm damage. There is a this market didn't really exist as heavily as it does until the SVD crowd really uh, pushed things around. You know, it was 2006, 2007, where it really took off after the the big recession and everybody needed a job. And suddenly this was something that was viable. Uh, but if there wasn't a storm in the market, there's vandalism that occurs. There's a whole bunch of, there's a bunch of bullshit coming from the policyholders advocates. That's true. Now, yeah, guys,
1: yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot
0: of bullshit from the carrier side. Don't get me wrong. I built an entire channel around that. All right. But there is a, Vast amount of bullshit coming from um, from our side. The idea that you can just throw jello against the wall to see what sticks and it doesn't hurt the policy is ridiculous. We're seeing what the consequences of those actions are. We're watching it happen. The McKinsey model, Frederick just brought up, is is something that is being moved around from, from one character to the next. And the McKinsey model is bullshit too. It's complete, utter nonsense. And I can't believe that it's even legal. But um, forget about that. You know, we, we, we all need to understand that we're not completely innocent here. So as
1: no. policyholder
0: advocate side, I think what you were talking about is a hard reset. If there was a big reset button, if I could take the cartridge out and <laughs> blow all the dust out of it, like an old Nintendo console... <laughs> And then put it back in and turn that shit on. This is what it would look like. You know, as a PA, and uh, if if you're a PA and you're watching this show, I want to hear your opinion on this too. Or or if you're a contractor that works heavily with with public adjusters, I want to hear your opinion on this. If you're a public adjuster and you're tired of fighting for line items on a roof, this model gets rid of that you can start talking about what the policy actually says. We will pay the amount that is reasonable and necessarily incurred reasonably and necessarily spent, whichever one it might be. And right. then it just becomes a, here's look, we've got it. We've got a roof replacement. Here's the bid. Do you want to demand appraisal? Because that's the option. If they don't like the bid and they think it's unreasonable, if they think it's reasonable, then it's paid. I can put a proof of loss together immediately with your bit. I'd rather do that than write an estimate and try to argue for waste percentages all day long. It's a much simpler process for myself, for the contractor and for the policyholder ultimately. It is. So where's the drawback? Is there one?
1: Me, I To me, it's a triple win. And I don't think you get many of those in life. And we've talked about this. You know, I do think that policies are going to change, whether they shift into a higher deductible percentage or, you know, after a certain period of time, they're going straight to an ACB policy. Um, but things are going to change and there's going to have to be a way that roofs can get replaced with consumers having to pay part of that anyways. So getting ahead of the process and doing the right thing and empowering the consumers to, you know, fight their own claims, so to speak, if they have to. And I'll be honest, my homeowners don't have to fight. Like if it on the be- at the beginning, if it's a partial approval, I give them two options, you know, you, or there's three, you can hire a public adjuster, you can demand appraisal, or you can pay for the other half of your roof. It's it's up to you. It's your choice. Um, here's you know here's a public adjuster's phone number. Once you've made a decision, let me know, uh, and you know we'll get you signed up and ready to go. And that's all I do. I I give them the tools. That, I believe there's a reason that you guys are called public adjusters and not contractors adjusters. And putting you guys back working solely with the public without a contractor involved makes your job easier, it makes the communication easier because it's between two people and not three, and we can sit back and focus on producing the work. And when the job is done and it's ready to go, then we can produce the work like we should as contractors.
0: I've been sitting here just trying to find a uh, a problem with it. I I can't I can't think of anything. I can't think of a drawback here. I cannot think of a con for the pro and con list. I think this is cool. I think insurance companies would like this too.
1: I can tell you that they do. The last three farmers adjuster meetings that we have attended, they just asked for our estimate, came off the roof, approved it.
0: This could solve so many problems in this industry. It's not even funny. I... Bravo.
1: Wow, oh, thanks.
0: Jen, this is fantastic. And, and it's, you know, I, a lot of us have thought about this over the years. I know I have and, and what it would be like if this had occurred. The fact that you've got a following that's actually employing this and it's taking off, this is mind-boggling. I'm glad it's happening. It's fantastic that it's happening. This is something that... I, I really can't even describe how useful this model could be for the average consumer in, in general. You can solve the vast majority of of problem claims handling with this one change. Now, there are some things that a carrier could do to combat this. I'm going to get to see if there's any questions real quick before I make my next statement. Um, And He just basically explained the same thing. Yes, it's a cost incurred, submit the bids, it's a third party. It's either cost incurred. If, if the policy says uh, necessary and spent, uses the word spent, then it'd be a reimbursement type model. You just have to turn in receipts, most likely. Um, roof analysis, damage report, estimate, signed contract, cost incurred, done. It probably isn't as simple as what you just said, but I bet it's really close.
1: It is pretty close to that.
0: PAs writing, a, writing crap and throwing against the walls. what gives PAs a bad reputation. Nailed it. I hated seeing these clueless PAs working claims when I was an I. Absolutely. Especially when they write policy limits on the proof of loss and don't substantiate that at all. Right, Casey? It's bullshit, right? And there's bad PAs out there. I'd love to pick your brain when you're in Nashville. Somebody thinks your brain is sexy, Jen my brain appraisers <laughs> on standby yeah I, I think that the the appraisal model could become a little bit more important with this one so okay i'm an insurance company and this is sent to me i get a bid from the policyholder or the policyholders public adjuster for the roof from the contractor that signed up okay now my mm-hmm. policy says that there's no ordinance and law coverage, um, and I've got an RPS schedule, roof payment schedule, and based on the age of the roof and all this, it's going to depreciate things. As a public adjuster, I know that they're gonna come back with stuff and I have to dig through the language to see how it's being applied to make sure that it's applied correctly. But then the carrier has the ability to look at that bid and they know it's only coming from one contractor instead of getting multiple bids. So now they might want to get a comparative bid just to verify that that bid is uh, reasonable. And and they have the right to do so. Mm -hmm. So they might send out their own contractor to do a comparative bid of some kind. And often that contractor is given some kind of a discount plan where they're supposed to, to reduce their pricing that they give to the carrier. And they might even write their own estimate with the same estimatics that's in the um, the policies of procedures from the carrier. And now they've got a much lower bid than what the actual contractor's bid is. Even if this is a true retail bid, if it matches exactly what it would be, no matter if there was a claim or not, they're going to get this other contractor's bid involved, and they're going to say, well, this is ridiculous, and this one isn't. And now the insured might have a fight on their hands, and they might say, well, this is how much they're charging me. This is my cost incurred, and then and then it's an appraisal situation anyway. I, it, it all it all ends up the only the dispute ends up into in appraisal.
1: No, I, I agree be, with that. Yeah, and there I there could
0: be that. coverage concerns on ordinance and law provisions and things like that. But ultimately, if I'm an insurance company, I just want to say that the the amount of loss is too high, that it's unreasonable. So I'm sending out my own contractor to give a comparative bid in auto it has to be a reputable uh body shop or something like that to give a comparable bid of some kind it has to be a reputable contractor to give a comparable bid depending on the state statutes um yes estimatics is a word morgan i don't say words and just make them up that is so photosynthesis hi morgy morgy love
1: that woman
0: Oh, that is definitely her name for me from now on. <laughs> Morgan I think
1: started that. Every um, time
0: I see Morgan, I think balls, but you know that's that's a thing.
1: That's awesome. So one thing that I don't do is delineate anywhere between insurance and retail work. Not in my CRM. We don't track it differently. We we don't do any delineation because I don't want to ever be accused of inflating insurance claims. So that, if, somebody, yeah. if an insurance company came in and told me my prices were unreasonable, I would say, okay, well, you know, we're doing 70% retail, 30% insurance mm-hmm. around. That's my guess right now. Mm-hmm. 70% of our people are paying the exact same price. There is nothing different. Would you like me to pull 10 claim or 10 different estimates for you to look at? Because that how can that be unreasonable when the general public doesn't think it's unreasonable?
0: I mean, that's a solid argument. If, if you haven't been doing retail work and you just jump into this, then if the carrier were to um, try to say fraud or something along those lines, you wouldn't have anything to substantiate your numbers, but just because you just started doing something doesn't mean that it isn't valid. So an attorney could argue that Steve has a good question. How many of these have you done in the past year and what percentage or wins?
1: Well, I don't know exactly how many, because again, we don't, I don't track them. Right. What I can tell you is we have not had a single homeowner in the last year and a half since I put my foot down and decided we are not talking to insurance companies at all. Even we have not had a single homeowner call us and tell us they had problems, not one. So I, I, I would consider them all to be a win.
0: Are you going to put and me I out of business? Now that no, public but I only
1: Wow. No, because I have referred claims that weren't covered to a public adjuster business, at the beginning. No, I but, don't want to put you out of business, Matt. I like you.
0: you no, well, you there need will to. always I mean, be a place I'll for public I'll find something adjusters. to do. I'll come work for you if I have to. But ultimately, <laughs> most public adjusters, we're not in this for the money. We don't make enough money. Anybody that's doing, if you're a PA and you're doing residential work, you know, as well as I do, we don't make enough money on those to make that a, a solid business model. We do it because we actually care about the policyholder. So if, if you can put us out of business, that means that the insurance companies are actually doing the right thing with your model. I'm all about that. I'll go be a contractor again. That's OK with me. Who defines reputable? I think that that would be a layman. There's yeah, a lot of them really out there. Those
1: awesome terms. I I would probably argue that you have to look for somebody that is ranked in Google. Google would probably have to define reputable would be my guess. I have no idea, though, how you would. Wouldn't
0: do it be funny if there was a profession of layman? I'm a professional layman. <laughs> just ask me a question. I'm just your average Joe. If they, if it make it a business though, then suddenly they're not a layman anymore. Right now they're professional. So it wouldn't work. It'd be an oxymoron in itself. You would immediately put yourself out of business. The second you started a business, she's putting you in business. Damn right. Steve. I love this by the way. I just want to make sure that everybody is aware. This is amazing for PAs.
1: It's amazing for everybody. It's amazing for contractors. You know, my next after we get through um, the cities and and get what we're doing out there now, I need to teach everybody how to build estimates, how to understand their overhead and how to stay in business long term. Right. Because if you've worked solely off of Xactimate, you're managing cash flow and not market or margins, so, there's there's a few layers to this. You know, you doing a retail Teach
0: effort. roofers how to be business owners? Now you've gone too far. Yes. Too well, far. Yes.
1: No. Yes. That Way we too mean, far. They're supposed to
0: just want to go get drunk at the end of the day. That's all that they want to do.
1: Oh, I'm so effing tired of that stigma. Like, it's I'm a stigma so for a reason, tired- though, right? but it, it yeah i get it it's the reality Crazy. of where we're at and i think that you're going to see a shift in that there's there's too many roofing contractors that are tired of being roofers you know in the in the connotation of getting drunk or spending money that they don't have or whatever whatever it is hustling you know i i don't want to be a part of that i don't want to be looked at as somebody that isn't professional, somebody that people, my customers are worried if I'm going to stay in business, if I'm going to do quality work. I, I I'm tired of the roofing industry being the laughing stock of construction.
0: Because you think it
1: is, I I do. Hmm, I do.
0: Hmm, this is a. Steve says, Jen, I need your email to send you lump sum calculator for your input. Is this the same thing as the lump sum bid?
1: No. The reason it's, and you know, I think that the lump sum bid model from what I can gather had the intentions of being the same, um, but they're still breaking it down line by line. Okay. In my retail model, what goes on a roof a standard 612 and below gable to gable those components they go on every roof every time so i have a paragraph that says all of the components that are required on every roof and then i have a section that's called roof details so roof details would be steep charges story charges poor access you know cornice returns anything that makes that roof unique that I would have to charge for. Those are the, that's it. Those are the two sections I have. Isn't that
0: what Steve is describing here? It's a spreadsheet
1: that does not use line 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 items. I have not seen his um, lump sum calculator and I know that he's trying to get my email. So Steve, it's just Jen with one N at roofing, Utah.com. Um but i know that that i know that he's working on that which i look at to see how he calculates you know gross margin and overhead and profit for contractors to make sure that they're covering their costs because i can't i can't ethically say hey you guys need to let's all switch to this retail model and not give them the tools to to understand their overhead and they haven't had to and so I am going to work with Steve and there's a few other people on getting out there and teaching them that part so that they are pricing correctly and not inflating pricing, but pricing correctly for what their business needs.
0: If you're in the middle of a claim, can you just abandon what you're doing and suddenly jump into this? Or is this is something, this sounds like it's something you'd have to start a claim off with.
1: You would. Because literally there's no negotiating. I I do not even take calls from carriers. So if they reach out to me, I mean I will send an email back.
0: For most states, contractors aren't supposed to be negotiating anyway. Yeah, but they do. I know. I and the like insurance that.
1: company does but it with them. Wait, Jen. I know. All I
0: do is talk <laughs> about my
1: estimate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I went and met with the I, Department of Insurance and the Insurance Commissioner a couple of years ago
0: in Utah.
1: Uh huh. And I'm ex- Utah has some pretty strict UPA laws. And I was explaining to him they wanted to get rid of the AOC. And I was explaining to him that I can't even sit down and discuss the differences in the and esti- in what the insurance estimate is and what's on my estimate if you take away the AOC. And he goes, Oh, that's not true. I go, oh yes, it is, and the uh, director of customer policies—I don't remember exactly what her title was. Oh no, she's right; she can't say any of that. And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, well, why? And you know, this this whole long conversation ended up developing out of it. And I, the the UPA laws are so one—they vary, but they're so strict. Contractors violate them nonstop without even understanding because they don't see what they're doing as practicing law or interpreting policy, which is what I think the UPA laws are supposed to be there for. But saying that drip edge is missing on an estimate in my world isn't practicing law or interpreting policy, yet it violates UPA laws in most states.
0: We had uh, we had a bill coming through in Georgia, um, I'm the current president of GAPIA, the Georgia Association of Public Insurance Adjusters. And when that bill was coming through, one of the things that I was uh, eager to make sure was codified was the fact that contractors were allowed to discuss their bid. Um, And I wanted it codified so that there wasn't any argument there. And I think that that made a difference. But ultimately, if they're discussing their bid, that doesn't mean the same thing as negotiating. If I'm just saying what's in my bid and why, that's very different from saying, well, I'll accept less if you do this, because then you are acting in a fiduciary responsibility a a fiduciary capacity for the policyholder. And you are acting as a public adjuster or an attorney. And that's that's really where it goes wrong. But if you've got a bid and that's your bid, period, this is how much I charge. I mean, unless you could convince me that I don't need to do something that's on this, then fine. But all of this is legitimate, reasonable and necessary in order to replace this roof. Then this is how much I charge period. If you have a problem with that, um, this is how much the, I'm going to get from the policyholder. That's between you and them. If you want to give them less, I have nothing to do with it.
1: it. It probably took me initially like two to three months of insurance companies calling when we first made the switch and me explaining, I don't break down my pricing. Um, and they would ask me why. And I would say, well, there's a lot of different things that go into my pricing. It's not designed to be broken down. Like, you know, there's fuel and backlog and year, time of year. And, you know, And they'd be like, well, what's your price per square? And I would say, well, what does your Eagle View say as far, <laughs> as, far as how many squares are on the roof? 33. Okay, great. What is the bottom price of my bid? <laughs> and i say, you can divide it.
0: That would be
1: my uh, price per square. Do you have right? a
0: calculator on you?
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a calculator. Just <laughs> a paper and a pencil
0: in <laughs> a pinch. Right.
1: This, this is how you come up <laughs> with that number.
0: Spaghetti.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> I'll walk you through it.
1: And it wasn't meant to be, you know, I wasn't trying to make them feel ignorant. When I, I just was done. I wasn't going to do it. And they stopped. They stopped calling. They stopped bothering us. And now, like I said, we're to the place where they're approving it. You know, we get, we get referrals from I insurance talking. companies. Uh, and, I, and I'm profitable. You, I have no to talk power. about that.
0: No, no, no. If, if you get a referral from an insurance company. Shh, shh, shh.
1: Well, I'm not asking for it.
0: I mean, if I get referrals from insurance adjusters, I definitely can't say anything about it or they'll, they'll oh, I'm just not get getting it.
1: I'm not getting referrals from adjusters. We're getting agents that are saying, hey, this is a great roofing company. Call them. Oh,
0: that's that's a little bit different. I almost yeah. don't even categorize agents as part of the insurance company sometimes just because they're – they act but so They know differently. that our, their
1: home, homeowners are going to be taken care of on both sides. I don't. Have- when you're
0: dealing with an insurance job, do you ever review the policy to determine if there is ACV or RCV coverage?
1: I do not. I do not look at anything revolved ar- around the policy. Um, well, what I get do. Involved,
0: this is a good question. If you get involved in the claim before it's filed and you tell somebody that they have damage, what do you tell them?
1: Um, that, you know, kind of what I said earlier, which is sometimes homeowners in your position will file an insurance claim. Um, there's a few different options. You can talk to your agent about your policy and see what you're covered. You've got public adjusters and I have a public adjuster that um, I work with that will explain policy to people mm-hmm. for no charge. Okay, okay. okay. I so have if, the situation if they are interested
0: that. in the claim side of this, say, well, I, I think I might want to file a claim. Do you then say, well, I, I suggest you talk to your agent to make sure you have coverages or if you'd like, I have a public adjuster that would be that, often reviews policies on behalf of my customers for free. Do you say Correct. it like that?
1: Yep. That's I, exactly what I say. And I give them his phone number.
0: That'd be so awesome. I, I, if I had a contractor feeding me claims like that, and I'm a PA and all I have to do is verify whether you have coverage or not. I mean, that gives me the opportunity to solicit to that policyholder that I'm on the phone with. If I, if I so choose, Ultimately, I would probably just tell them they have coverage or they don't. Here's some pitfalls that they might experience. If this occurs, then you'll want to get me involved. That's Correct. probably how I would go about doing that.
1: And that is exactly what he does, right? He just, this is what you got. And that's what I told him that, you know, if, if I agree to send them there, the last thing I want is it turning into needing a PA when a PA is not needed. You know, Mm -hmm. so make sure that you arm them. And if they come up with challenges or struggle, then they have the opportunity to hire you. And that was fine. And he appreciated that.
0: You know, one of the one of the biggest issues that I have these days is if if a contractor acts as a PA and goes through and just. Destroys the claim, whatever it is that they end up doing, having to overcome that is. Horrible and time-consuming, and it definitely costs me money as as a company. I definitely have a lot of man hours involved, so I want to get involved in the claim from the beginning so that I can start handling this stuff. But ultimately, I still have the exact same issue when there is a contingency contract involved that I have to basically negotiate because the contractor is going to do the work for the amount that the insurance company says and agrees to. I don't not, know. not for this set amount all the time. Period, and and. I don't even think I need to get involved from the beginning if it's set up the way that you're doing it. Unless, I mean, I want to be there just to verify that there's coverages because if it's an ACV policy, if the roof is going to be ACV at a certain time, if there's an RPS uh, language, if it happens to have a uh, cosmetic damage exclusion, any any kind of pitfall that's in that policy or an endorsement that's going to cause some issues, I want to know about that so I can tell the policyholder, hey, if this stuff occurs, you should get me involved. But I, I wouldn't need to be involved in every claim.
1: Right. And- I'd be able I justify to justify my fees so much easier. Any of them.
0: I love that. This.
1: So to answer Steve's question, 12 yes. months same as cash. Yes, it gives them 12 months with no payments due at all to settle their claim.
0: Before the first payment is due, before the fir- their first payment towards that loan is due. Correct. But they still have to make minimum payments during those 12 months, don't they?
1: Nope. Same as cash. No payments at all. No payments, no interest. 12
0: 12 months months. save as cash doesn't mean that, though. It just means that it's 0% interest for those first 12 months.
1: It's no payments, no interest.
0: No payments as well. That's crazy. That's crazy.
1: It's a great loan for this program.
0: That is an insane loan. Do they have to have a crazy high credit rating
1: for it? Uh, I think it's six hundred and above. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm working with a few different banks to make sure that we can try to get a loan or a loan like this available in multiple different places. Right now, um, we only—it's only through interbank.
0: I bet an interesting. I mean, if there's equity in the home, a, a HELOC would be a, a decent option as well for some people. But and this is. HELOCs
1: um, are higher and they're variable, right? So this 12 month same as cash that we use rolls into a five year fixed at 6.99%. So if they don't pay it off in 12 well, months, not bad. No, it's not at all. And if they don't pay it off in those 12 months, they're not getting some crazy interest, right?
0: Does the interest start at month 12 or does it it accrue?
1: It accrues, but it's a 6.99% accrual. Whereas a lot of the standard, you know, same as cash loans are accruing at 17 or 18%. So it's not accruing at the same amount. We are very transparent with the financing and how it works because we want to make sure homeowners understand. I mean, I also have a 24 month same as cash that we can offer but it balloons 17.99% in month 25. And I don't love that because how many consumers are going to forget to pay? And that's a lot of interest to accrue.
0: That's a ton of interest. Uh, but if but if the claim ends up settling out, as long as they know that they're going to have, you know, RCV coverage benefits or something along those lines, then most of the time this is going to end up working out. Um how do you happen to know how often the policyholder ends up having to cover more than their deductible in these situations?
1: I don't because, again, we have not gotten any okay. calls back. Now, I have had homeowners that have told me, oh, you know, you guys are only like a thousand dollars difference. I'm I'm not even going to fight it like it's there's times when it's not worth it to them you know, and that's up to them. I, you know, it's not my claim to fight. It's not my contract. It's not my insurance company. So I will still, I still at the end of my jobs, give them the same report I give to every other customer that has the proof of, you know, the pictures of proof with install codes, whatever I know that they'll need to get indemnified. I give it all to them. What they choose to do with it is up to them.
0: So you need to have good photos for the policyholder one way or the other, right? You definitely are still doing a full investigation and making sure that everything is there in case they end up needing it.
1: Well, I do that for every job anyways. You never know if a city missed the inspection and they want you to show they want to have a picture to show that there's ice and water on the roof. Right. Like anytime something goes wrong, you you know, a neighbor sues a neighbor. Like, I mean, we have a, a very strict documentation of what we take pictures of along the way in every single job. So whether it's insurance or retail, it doesn't matter to us. We're going to take the same pictures. So we just have them available anyways.
0: That's awesome. What do you do for fun, Jen?
1: Um, Well, right now, my life has been a little crazy. Um, but I am going to a Halloween party this weekend. I'm super excited about. Hey,
0: right, Do you have a costume um, set up?
1: I think so. So we I, I have a thing about wolves and I know that I've kind of told you my story about wolves with my son. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think I may be Little Red Riding Hood this year. And uh I'm trying to talk him into he, he wants to be an army ranger. Um but I'm trying to talk him into being like a a wolf for one time for me, and he'll probably do it because he thinks You should I'm get him great.
0: a moo moo and like a hairnet to go along with it.
1: <laughs> he could be a grandma. That's awesome. Yeah. that will be fine. Um You know,
0: the, the Little Red Riding Hood, it comes with a built in uh, Halloween basket for all the loot that your kid gets. So you
1: exactly. Can grab it, exactly. stick it in your
0: basket. And that, that way he can make you carry his candy.
1: I also play Call of Duty mobile, which I know is like really silly, but <laughs> that's, I would never really guess so that. About you. It. That's
0: funny. Okay. I
1: I have really bad hand eye coordination with a controller, like with the buttons and stuff, but when I'm only moving my thumbs, like I am super good at Call of Duty Mobile. And so I really Isn't that am good all you're for doing that
0: a controller? Is
1: moving your thumbs? No, well, it's like got like buttons that you got to like click and like oh, you don't I don't push. know. Maybe it's in my head, but I cannot play any games on a controller. I cannot do it. I don't know.
0: What? Okay. That's um, different.
1: And I've tried. If you're doing
0: this on your phone, I think the phones are harder because you can't feel tactily where center point is automatically. I guess you get used to it.
1: If it's all I know, then it's probably it. It's easy. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I I've tried to play games with my kids on the Xbox and, you know, I'm a single mom and I have four kids. And I have one son, and it's easy to find things that I can go and do with my daughters. You know, we can go get pedicures, we can go do other stuff. But it was harder to find activities that I could do with him uh, alone. I mean, I love to fish, and I love to camp, and I taught him how to clean fish, and I can do all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's raining, and I, I really have tried to play Xbox, and I just am not good. So we came up with. Playing some Call of Duty mobile, and I got really good, and he was super excited. <laughs> and we will go in and, you know, dominate a room.
0: That's pretty cool. How long do you like your toenails?
1: Um, I actually like my toenails pretty short because I hate it when they catch on my socks.
0: Oh, you'll like, tear some socks up. Right?
1: Yeah, Ugh. but I don't like them Weird. so short that they don't look like they look like. Weird, right? Right. So they're, mine are probably right about the same length as yours, 116th of an inch, maybe an eighth of an inch, just the a tiny bit of white.
0: Of the white, right. It's all yes. about the white. Yes. Yeah. It's all about
1: the white and the toenails tiny, for sure.
0: Tiny amount. What about fingernails? Yes. Do you bite them?
1: Um, I used to bite my nails, and yeah. um, I do not bite my nails anymore, but I get my nails done because if I don't have them, I have really. Thin nails and being on roofs and doing things all the time, my nails just get torn up. So if I get them done, they're harder and I can put gloves on and then they don't get torn up the same. And I still feel kind of girly because I'm, you know, not, I don't always get to be super girly. Most of the time I have a ball cap on and a tool belt. And Mm -hmm. unless I'm in leading classes, then I have a jacket and a shirt or at a conference. But a lot of other times I'm not.
0: I think it's interesting that pants were not listed. Okay. Oh
1: yeah, I do wear those on a regular basis. Oh okay, okay. Yeah, just just to be clear, I do wear those. All right,
0: All right. I, yeah. that's that's where the girly part was coming in is is what I was saying. I don't like I like the one sixteenth white on the toes, mm-hmm. but I cannot handle any white on my fingers. Really, I gotta cut it off. I gotta cut it off. Now I used to bite them too, but but now I use the scissors on my Leatherman, which is odd that it's. I mean, it's out there on my bar that I've been building all day, but it's um, it's just, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. If it's white, I have to get rid of it.
1: That's interesting.
0: It's horrible. It's weird. My wife is is watching and this is her face because of this weird conversation. She's just face falling right <laughs> now. Yeah. She, she thinks this is the best conversation ever. Steve thinks you're awesome.
1: I think Steve is I awesome agree. As well. I've known Steve for a few years now and he's always been... A wonderful support of what I've been trying to do.
0: Clint Clint just stumbled upon the episode and came across the fingernail and toenail conversation. I we didn't really go into anything of any importance (laughs) though. The whole episode was bullshit like that, Clint. You should not even bother going back to watch it, probably. I think he knows I'm lying. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we didn't cover on what it is that you do that you'd like to tell the audience?
1: No, I mean, really, it's simple. You know we need to stay focused on what what we should be focused on. We need to support our homeowners as their contractor, but we need to put the we need to empower them to be in the driving seat of their claim and um, get out of the middle of it 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 is so. Much simpler, less stressful for everybody all the way around. This forces
0: public adjusters to stop being roofers, too. Honestly, if if a contractor did this, if a roofer did this model, I don't have to fight for individual line items. I don't have to be some roof guru along with knowing how to interpret policy.
1: Right. It it simplifies my job. Yeah, I agree. I I, I, I hope
0: this takes off. I I hope it takes off. This is so much better. We can have conferences where we actually you know, discuss things that are great and about business and and have business conversations. Business, this would be great. Right?
1: What is leadership? Yeah, we, we look can like? have what people getting
0: leaders? out of uh, business classes and and they want to become a roofer again instead of only the people that just got out of jail or something. You know, like Conrad.
1: are toenails a (laughs) cover
0: well they're not excluded
1: so if if toenails
0: (laughs) accidentally damaged the property
1: that's yes
0: they would be the covered peril i don't know how toenails happen so
1: it's right up there with eyebrows
0: uh, hail does <laughs> hail damages something. The hail isn't the damage itself. So toenails will damage. Something. Yeah. So if you were to jump up on your roof with some really long ass toenails that you should have cut like a year ago and you just took a truck across your roof barefoot or even in a pair of flip flops where your toes were hanging off because they it weren't quite large of, like, enough.
1: These curled toenails that just sound because
0: they curl. They go straight I know. down. I that sounds
1: so right? disgusting.
0: Oh, yeah. And then you start slipping because it's too steep and you've got your you've got your flip-flops on your toes are on the edge and then the toenails just grip and you just squeeze your toes to grip the <laughs> shingles all the way down if you're sliding
1: like a sloth or like a back
0: covered gloss.
1: Oh that's awesome That is great.
0: I think that would work out. I want that claim. If you guys ever have a claim like that, please make sure it gets to me. I want to do that claim that would be fun.
1: And I would just like to see it.
0: Memphis is full of surprises. Does that happen in Memphis? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm out of order with these. I think I've made uh, Hank over here puke.
1: Poor Hank.
0: Poor Hank. Right, well, Jen, I really appreciate you spending the night with me. Um, I'm going to show off for a second, if you'll allow me to. I would
1: I've been love working. to see what you've been doing.
0: Let me see if I can get into this from my phone so we can use my phone's camera real quick. Yeah, that's me. Okay. All right. We're going to say Matt Mulholland 2. And I'm going to do... Nope. Should stop. I hope. That did not work. That was horrible. I'll tell you what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to go and just move the big camera.
1: Well, there you go.
0: All right, so hang on a second. I won't, well, I'll be able to hear you. So we're in our brand new building at NCI. This is our new studio that we're in. That's a green screen. That's why it's doing weird stuff. And uh, this is some glass out of my studio, looking out onto my
1: main
0: classroom. This is their larger of two classrooms, and that is a bar that I'm building out of a dais. We actually got this thing from an actual courtroom. We're tearing it apart and building a bar out of it so that our students, when they come, they don't have to go to a bar out in the uh, city and and spend their money if they'd like. Um, Whoever ends up sponsoring this bar will just have, you know, they're they're signed up saying that they're sponsoring it and the booze will be on them. I think it's a cool idea. Yeah.
1: That looks great. I can't wait to see it when it's all done.
0: Yeah, well, I have to be done tonight. So Oh. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to get go busy so on work. that.
0: And uh yeah, thanks for Thanks for being on the show. I will be back next Tuesday. I might see you in Denver tomorrow though. And if we do, we'll grab a picture together and post it online.
1: That sounds great. I'd love that. Okay. All right, guys. See you guys. That was Jen
0: Silver. Her program is awesome. Awesome. And I really hope it takes off. If you guys want to get more information on that, I'll try to put some stuff in the comments probably tomorrow or on YouTube. um, Underneath, I'm squatting right now because I've messed up my camera angle. So I'm just going to squat a little bit. Um, I'm going to put some information there so you can actually reach out to her if you'd like to find out what she has going on. I think that it would be beneficial if you're a roofer to really – Reach out to them. If you're a public adjuster, reach out to her just so that you can figure out what it is that's going on. If you have more questions, and maybe even get tied up with one of those roofers that can then say, hey, this guy's willing to take a look at your policy to see if you have full coverage first. I I think as a PA, I'd, I'd love to be a part of that kind of a program just because it would be simpler in the end. But take a look into that and keep collaborating with each other. And I will see you next Tuesday. See you later.